Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. My guest today served Spanish-speaking in the Long Beach, California mission. We had an amazing time. We had an awesome time talking about the Hispanic culture and the amazing food they have. It was a great time, and I really hope that we can have him on the podcast again in the future. But please give it up for Brad Motier. You are listening to The Life of a Missionary, a podcast that dives into the experiences of former missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Enrique Nunez, and I will be your host for the journey of these mission stories from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. All right, there we go. Okay, so Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. That's where you served, right? Yep. Spanish speaking. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's nice. You know, that's what I thought <laughs> going into it. Um, so Long Beach, uh, it's not a... They dissolved it a while ago, and so... Before they dissolved it, it was one of the smallest geographically, like it was one of the smallest proselyting missions in the world. Okay. And so, so like, so dissolving it, they got rid of it. Yeah. So just, oh. most of it, um, a lot of what was the Long Beach mission is now part of Anaheim. Oh. Okay. And okay. I think a little piece went to Arcadia or the L.A. mission. I can't. So remember that mission which. doesn't exist anymore. It is oh, no longer exists. That's no. sad. <laughs> it it is kind of sad. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It feels like I'm part of like an exclusive club, you know, because right. like there's only a certain number of people who have served or ever will serve in the California Long Beach Mission. So. Right. But no, so like you, you know, it's Long Beach. You hear beach, you think it's going to be super nice. But um, I mean, Huntington Beach was in my mission, and I spent quite a bit of time there, and that was nice. But for the most part, like Compton is in the Long Beach Mission, oh. so it was uh, not as nice as some people think. Okay. So <laughs> That's some good stories, I bet, man. <laughs> I've got a couple, yeah. Okay, cool. So what, what was going through your head when you got your mission call? Um, oh, man. There's just, there's so many emotions going through it. Um, I think the first one was excitement because, you know, you get to serve a mission. You get to – and, like, I haven't – I've lived in Idaho my whole life, so I wasn't too – like I didn't have my heart set on going somewhere foreign. Right. And so like Long Beach, California sounded great to me. I was a little disappointed though, cause I took two years of French in high school. Mm. And so like my first like three weeks in the MTC was spent forgetting French before I could learn Spanish. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was just mostly excitement. You know, it's something that I'd prepared for, for pretty much my whole life. And so I was ready. I was ready to go. It's always in, it's it's always an interesting feeling to remember because mm-hmm. you are excited but you're nervous you're kind of honestly I think a lot of missionaries tend to forget that they were a little scared yeah because I I feel like I was going somewhere else that you don't you don't know you don't know mm-hmm. what's gonna happen so scary scary man very true <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about some of those stories man um okay the scariest moment of my mission scary's good scary's good. <laughs> It's probably not as scary as some other people's though. Um, so my companion and I were riding our bikes down the street. I spent most of my mission in a car, but um, right before I got into my second area, my companion crashed, so we didn't have a car in that area. Oh man! So we're riding our bikes down the street, and my companion—I don't know what he ate for breakfast that morning, but he was just going. Like I could just barely see him off in the distance. Like he was riding his bike super fast. 
Um, but so I'm, I'm driving down or I'm riding my bike down this busy street and this big black SUV pulls up next to me and the window rolls down just a little bit and is like elder pullover, like the super deep gruff voice. And I'm like, Oh shoot. I'm, I don't know what, like I was scared for my life. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's creepy, man. Like we're on the side of this busy street. So I'm like, hopefully I'm not going to get like kidnapped. They're not going to just throw me in this SUV or and anything. Companion wouldn't even see you. He, yeah, no, he was long gone. Um, that's why you stay inside of your companion. Yeah. Um, but so like I pull off into this little strip mall parking lot and I'm sitting there waiting for this SUV to come by and the window rolls down and it's just packed full of Polynesians. Like there's what, eight seats in an SUV and there's at least nine or 10 of them in there <laughs> and they're big people. Yeah. They're big people. I don't know how they they're got huge. that many in there. Um, but it's like the window rolls down and I see in there and like you, the driver reaches down to grab something and like pulls it up. I'm like, crap, he's got a gun. But he pulls up two sandwiches and like, here, one's for you, one for you, one's for your companion. Have a good day. And then they drive away. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a bit of heart, a bit of a heart attack because like there, nothing that bad ever happened to me. But like I knew missionaries who'd gotten mugged. They'd gotten um, like their apartments got raided by police. Um, but I'm like, all right, here's my story. I'm going to get kidnapped. But no, I just got a free sandwich. That's that's kind of scary. Though. What little, part of what part of uh, your mission were you in? Um, I was just outside of a city called Hawaiian Gardens. Okay, it's kind of like the Garden City of Southern California. Like okay. no one really cares about it, but there's a lot of it's not as bad as Compton, but there's a lot of not nice stuff that happens down there. So right, and this was your second area. My second area. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're still a little fresh. You still don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, I had Cause, no idea. Because like Boise is very nice like mm -hmm. anybody who moves here it's like okay like nothing's gonna happen here yeah no but when you go outside into la area compton area it's like Ooh, i don't know what to expect that's funny though yeah kind of kind of anticlimactic yeah very anticlimactic <laughs> yeah. but that yeah that was definitely the scariest scared most scared i ever was on my mission um in my last area though i was in downtown long beach and uh we were at church one sunday and someone was talking about a shooting that had happened the night before. Like some guy had just pulled up beside this mom walking her kid. She was walking her two kids. Uh, one was in a stroller and he just pulled up, shot all three of them and drove away. And we're like, oh, dang, when did that happen? They're like, oh, last night around nine o'clock, like on this and this street is like PCH and like Fourth Avenue. And we're like, hang on, where? Like they say the streets again. And we were like two blocks away having a lesson with a, a less active member and like it, that stuff happens. Yeah. And so luckily it never happened to me, but you definitely see, see a lot of that down there. It's crazy that it's, it's such a different world, man. Mm -hmm. Cause you don't, I mean, the bigger the cities, the more, the more violence there's going to be. Yeah. So like I lived in Salt Lake. I, I obviously I live here in Boise, but things like that don't really happen. So it's kind of, it's kind of scary to see that it's just a couple hundred miles away that that stuff's happening. Yeah. There's just, there's so many people, like you get that many people bunched up in that small of an area. Like, so my mission was about the size of like the city of Boise, the city of Meridian and the city of Eagle. Like okay. if you combine that's that area, whole mission? that's the whole mission, but there's 2 million people inside that area. That's a lot. It's, I think there's like 2 million people in not even voice not, not even, even idaho not even idaho <laughs> <laughs> that's insane man there's just there's so many people but they 
for the most part, people there are generally nice. Yeah. Right. So how do you guys go about teaching over there? Because I, I doubt you guys tracked. Um, we we tried not to. Just you know, it's like door to door salesman here. Like you just no one has time for it. Right. Um. So we we try to base most of our work off of referrals, and uh, if we didn't have referrals, then my favorite thing to do was go visit less actives. Um, because you know if you bring them back to church, then you know if they've got friends. And if they're not going to church, they're probably not going to have a lot of member friends. And so if they start coming back to church, then, you know, their friends might see a difference in their lives and ask them what's going on. And then it's a perfect opportunity for them to, you know, talk about the gospel to them, which then creates more referrals for us. Um, but yeah, we did do our, our fair share of tracting, door knocking. It's super awkward. It's annoying. Did not like It's pretty it. boring. <laughs> Very boring. <laughs> Very boring. How long did it take for somebody to slam the door in your face? Uh, two days. Yeah. Okay. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about right. I think, I think when the day I got there, it was a Monday and then Tuesday we went out tracking to get that experience. And that, that same day, somebody just opened the door and they, they were looking down and they looked up and they saw who we were and they just closed the door. Nice. Like, well, I guess that's what we expect. Yeah. <laughs> You expect the worst and you still get it. So I always, I always like to ask people, uh, or I guess return missionaries that learned a different language, how, like, I guess how long it took them to get used to it, to feel, to feel like they could teach on their own. Um, let's see. I think the first time I felt like I could teach on my own was... I was about four or five months in. I was on an exchange. Sheesh, man. <laughs> well, I'm not saying, no. <laughs> Don't Dang, compliment man. yet. No, it was, um, I was on an exchange with a, a, a missionary who's even newer, newer than I was. Yeah. And like, that was when we did a lot of, we did a lot of tracting that day. Um, but we did have a lesson with a, with an investigator and like we were supposed to teach, but my companion couldn't right like he he tried but his his spanish was even worse than mine <laughs> so i i had to do my best to carry the conversation and so i wasn't even close to fluent at that point but that was kind of the moment when it was kind of like oh okay this isn't as hard as i'm making it out to be mm-hmm. so like maybe i can do this but it wasn't until like i feel like at about six months that i felt like i could understand just about everything and then another like three months after that before i felt like i could you know say everything that i wanted to say that's that's still incredible man (laughs) that's awesome yeah i I always like to compliment because i because i grew up speaking both english and spanish and i i Mm. love complimenting uh return missionaries that learn a new language because i don't feel like i learned a new language just because i learned them both at the same time Mm -hmm. so because and i've taken french and i've tried to learn different languages too and i just haven't put the time in it into it but for you to learn a new language when you're when you're an adult and to keep it and to be fluent in it is it's incredible man <laughs> it's awesome and you were mentioning that you're you substitute for spanish mm-hmm. for spanish classes in in the middle school and that's that's awesome dude mm-hmm. but it 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 does get kind of awkward sometimes because like when you're a missionary all of your all of your language skills at least for for me serving stateside like none of the signs are in spanish like you don't do much spanish reading aside from scriptures right and so my, like, I, I can say just about anything that I want to say, but 
my writing, like I can't write worth crap. It's awful. So like I'll be in a classroom trying to write something on the board and I'll have like I'll be like two words in and the kids are like, uh, you spelled that wrong. I'm like, sorry guys, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> That's okay. It's, yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like it's difficult for missionaries because they all the Spanish or all the language that they learn is gospel related. Mm-hmm. And so when they try to speak with with somebody else about something else, they don't know how. Yeah. They can't find yeah. the words for it. Yeah, definitely ran into that. <laughs> that's too bad. But that's okay, man. That's that's awesome. That's that's a great way to to get out there and to get out of your comfort comfort zone and learn. Mhm. Right? Yeah, the best way to learn a language is to make a million mistakes and so the, there's no better way to make mistakes than in front of people who actually know that you're actually making mistakes. Right. So but people tend to be really nice with somebody who's learning. Oh yeah. Language. Especially Hispanics. Yeah. Like they they I don't know how it is in general, but the ones in California, like they're trying to learn English. Mm. So they understand how hard it is to learn a language. So you come in right. and like you're trying to speak Spanish and they're super supportive. Yeah. They help you out a ton. They're just super nice about it. Well, it's interesting because it's a, a form of endearment to help missionaries who are learning a language. Mm-hmm. Because like my my brother in law was learning Spanish and then his companions were learning Spanish. So when they were, when they would visit our family, my mom would always take care of them, and she would always like, no, elder, you had to say it like this, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's fun. It's it's cool. But Hispanics, yeah, Hispanics are definitely a different different uh, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you ever get like? Uh, Oh, are you guys hungry? <laughs> All the time. All the time. That was, um, there's a, someone, one of my young men's leaders growing up, he uh, served several missions. Like he went when he was a kid and, and uh, again with his wife a couple of times. Mm. And every time he went Spanish speaking, so he's very well versed in Spanish culture. And so before I left, he had me over and he's like, okay, just a couple of things that you got to watch out for. And the first thing he said was, when you go into someone's house, you're going to get fed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of hard for me because I have food allergies. Oh. And so, and he, you know, the guy telling me this, he knew that. And so he's like, you, you can't just straight up refuse the food. You have to ask for something else. Because like, if they offer me something that I can't eat, then I just got to be like, oh, sorry, I can't eat that. But can I have water instead? Because they're going to give you something. Right. And they will, for the most part, they'd feel insulted if you didn't like, right. take something from them. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what kind of stuff are you allergic to? Um, so I'm allergic to gluten, dairy, and eggs. Uh, so that's rough, about man. About everything. About all Mexican food. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, we just had like the standard rice, beans, chicken, corn tortillas. Okay. And that was fine. But yeah, like Hispanics don't really understand food allergies. No. Like one yeah. of my first days, one of the members of the ward told me, like I told him I had food allergies, and he's like... Nah, las alergias se quitan con delgadas. <laughs> so allergies are cured by spankings. Yeah. Um, so it was, I did run into quite a few problems there just because like they don't, they don't understand the yeah. fact that like eating something might make you sick. Like for yeah, example. it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had dinner with this one lady one night and she made us mole. Uh-huh. It's like. Like the, the black mole? The black mole, yeah. So super good, good. Super so good, good. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know exactly how you make it but i know there's gluten in it like mm. some type of flour in it and so we go into the we go in there 
and I see she made mole and I'm like, hermana, no puedo comer pan. Like I can't eat, I can't have bread, which is what I said. And I probably should have specified, but like, I can't have bread. She's like, oh, don't worry. I made sure there's no bread in here at all. Mm. And so we start eating it. And when I eat something I'm allergic to, it's not like anaphylactic shock and have to go to the hospital right away. It's like, it starts off with a little bit of a headache and then I just get super tired and then start having some stomach problems Mm -hmm. and my asthma flares up and I just start hacking up a lung. But so we get about halfway through this meal and my head starts hurting. I'm like, oh boy, but it was super good. So I just ate it. Like, this is my one and only chance to have mole, so I better enjoy it. <laughs> That's funny. So we eat it, and uh, afterwards, she's like, do you guys like it? We're like, yeah, it was really good, hermana. And she's like, good. And I knew the elder here couldn't have bread, so instead I put crackers in it. Oh. And I'm like, dang it. But, like, you can't be mad because she's trying her best. Right. But, yeah, did not feel good after that. That's too bad. It was a bit of a bummer, yeah. Hey, they they try their best though. They did try. Yeah, but it's interesting because it's it's true. We don't know. Well, there's a lot of things we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. There's like food allergies. We don't understand like uh, certain medical uh, disabilities. Well, I guess uh, mental disabilities. We don't mm-hmm. we don't fully understand like like depression and you know anxiety. We don't we don't really experience that kind of stuff so it's just like yeah you'll get over it yeah but yeah. it's a different culture man it's weird mm-hmm. it was definitely <laughs> definitely eye-opening yeah that's funny yeah we had a lady that we were just looking for somebody in the area book and so we go to this house and we're like did this person live here she's like no i think they moved because we've been we've lived here for like two or three years like oh okay thanks though she's like are you guys hungry you guys want some some food <laughs> like oh my gosh you don't even know us <laughs> but and and like the town was like in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. so it's just like this is very it's it's weird but that's how Hispanics are yeah so for them food is a universal language like, yeah yeah um it was for me too like growing growing up that's just how we were but uh, serving English I had all this these American dishes I've never had them. Really, and so I grew up in a Hispanic family, in a Hispanic household. So, I think the first time I had like a like a real American dessert, I was thirteen, and it was like peach cobbler with ice cream. Oh man! And I was like, "This is freaking good, man!" But I've I've never had it, and I I never had it again <laughs> until my mission. So I had it when I was thirteen, and then until I was nineteen again, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" And like like warm brownies with ice cream mm-hmm. things like that I, I never had that's not really that's not oh, my word a mexican thing <laughs> i mean yeah that's true so it I was just... good i liked it <laughs> well i'd hope so <laughs> i just can't imagine going six years without peach cobbler yeah i mean it wasn't part of our of our dessert menu so that's fair but like all these like uh potatoes and meat like steak and baked potatoes and casseroles and meatloaf all that stuff i i never had mm-hmm. but i was like yeah this is good this is a different it is a different culture it was just like okay mm-hmm. so but yeah i mean i guess you had a lot of the stuff that i grew up with like, yeah well maybe because i don't know about the allergies 
Well, for the most part, like it really wasn't that bad. Like having allergies, it's not bad once you get used to it. Once you know what to look out for, right? And like at the beginning of my mission, it was kind of hard because it's like the first time I've lived away from home, and like the rest of my family has food allergies, and so it's kind of like misery loves company. Right. And uh, but like I knew that everything at home was safe to eat, so I really didn't pay much attention oh. to like ingredients and things like that so the first couple of months of my mission i spent i was pretty sick um but like once you get used to it it's um it's really not that bad especially in hispanic culture because like most nights we had you know the rice the beans the chicken the corn tortillas um but they use a lot of corn flour when they make stuff so like sopes i love sopes yeah love sopes and um but like in general their food doesn't have a lot of like wheat flour right or milk in it so it was inspired i guess a lot of eggs though there yeah there was a fair (laughs) amount of eggs (laughs) we eat that a lot Mm -hmm. huevos rancheros yeah oh man my mom would buy the that big crate of 60 eggs from costco Mm -hmm. but there's like three of us (laughs) three or four of us sometimes and it's just like, that's what we eat, man. That's, that's <laughs> what we like. Yeah, Eggs it's just breakfast, it's lunch, just, and dinner. Yeah, pretty much. This is my wife and I, and, and I just buy the 18, 18 case one. She doesn't eat a whole lot, but that's all me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I was raised, too. Nice. That's cool, man. Uh, so did you have you have siblings? Yeah. So I've got an older sister, um, a younger brother who's actually on his mission in Florida right now. Sweet. Other side of the country, man. Yeah, they had to they had to separate us. But he's <laughs> he's Spanish speaking as well. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. What mission is that in? He's in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. I had a friend in Vegas that served there. It was I'm, a while ago, though. I'm a little je- jealous because right now he's in Miami, and so like when people think of Long Beach, like the, the they think of something like they Miami. think of something more like Miami. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's good and bad because as a missionary, you can't do anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> The the rule in our mission was where the sand starts, the mission ends. Oh, so yeah, could not go on the beach. Ouch! It was it was a bit of a bummer, yeah. Especially because like <laughs> I've I've been a competitive swimmer for the last like sixteen years of my life, oh, and so okay. having that huge body of water right there, yeah, very tempting. But that's rough, man. We managed. Yeah, we managed. So, did you ever try to do competitive swimming in in school, like later education? Yeah, so I swam, I started swimming when I was eight. I did like a year, or not a year round, a, like a summer league that the city of Boise puts on. Um, swam in high school, and it wasn't until like after I hit my growth spurt my junior year that I actually got halfway decent at it, because <laughs> <laughs> before my growth spurt, I was like 5'3", and like, people say height doesn't matter in sports, but like, like even my senior year, I was six foot. And I played second at state in one of the events. And everyone else that I was racing against, like the seven other people there, they were well over like 6'3". And so, um, but yeah, so I spent the last two years at the College of Idaho and I was on a swimming scholarship there. And it was a lot of fun. That's cool, man. And did you did you put that on pause because of your mission or did you just kind of finish? I did put that on pause, yeah. So my plan actually, my senior year of high school... Um, my plan was to, 
uh, put off the mission for a year, go swim okay. for a year and then, um, and then serve a mission. And like I had been talking to a couple of schools, but decided on the college of Idaho, you know, it's close to home and they have a, a really good swim program there. And, uh, like I had everything settled there. Like the paperwork was ready to go. I was accepted and ready to go. And like, I'd already started training for the next season and it wasn't until like May. So right before I graduated that, you know, I'm talking to my mom and she, we were just going over plans for the next year. And she's like, and you prayed about it. You, you're sure this is what you want to do. And I'm like, well, I haven't prayed about it, but yeah, I'm sure this is what I want to do. And she's like, you should probably go pray about it. I'm like, fine, man. And so (laughs) I did, I prayed about it and, uh, got the answer that I needed to serve a mission instead so I did I luckily enough they the College of Idaho held my scholarship and deferred my enrollment so I got to serve um though about halfway through my mission I realized I was kind of burnt out from swimming like I'd been doing it for a long time and just wasn't fun anymore and like I didn't gain a ton of weight on my mission but I did lose like I went from training 30 to 40 hours a week to playing basketball like every other p day right and so i like i would have to get back in shape for that level of competition i just was not excited for it so when i came home i had already been accepted to byu and utah state and boise state and so like i was just trying to figure out where i wanted to go and uh, the coach at the college of idaho was a different one when i came home than it was when i left and uh the week after i got home Funnily, funnily enough, I was at my brother's swim meet and the coach calls me and was like, Hey, like, I know at one point you were thinking about coming here and swimming. And I, I know you, I think you just got back from your mission. I don't know what your plans are now, but we'd love to have you down for a visit, you know, come meet the team, see, see what we're about. And so I'm like, yeah, it won't hurt. Might as well. So I go and meet the team and, um, just felt like that's where I needed to be. So, um, yeah, that's where I ended up. I spent the last two years there. You got back in shape. I did. <laughs> it. Was, I had to get. I had to get back in shape twice because, like, I came home from my mission, and uh, you know, two years of Mexican food that'll do oh, things yeah. to you. Well, I got twenty six years. Yeah. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you feel me. Um, but then, halfway through my freshman year, I, I broke my nose. And swam straight into a wall. Oh, just oh, shattered man. it. And so, Ugh. but this happened when I was on vacation in Canada, and like we didn't get it looked at till we were back in the U.S. Like three weeks later, and they're like, "It's already started healing. We're gonna wait for it to heal to see if it heals correctly." And then, um, so looked at it again after the swim season was over, and they're like, "Oh yeah, your septum is super wonky. We're gonna have to go fix that." So I had to. They went in. They fixed it. Um, I'm that a little, sounds so painful. <laughs> I'll, I'll spare you the details. It was super nasty what they did. But, well, now um, you got to tell us. Okay, so when they... <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. So when they fix your septum, they, they cut open the, the slit in your nose right between your nostrils. And they pull out the septum, so like the piece of cartilage, like the bridge of your nose there. They pull it out, and then they break it. And then put it together back together how it's supposed to be and then they put it back in but mine was so screwed up 
that when they broke it, like they put it back together and it still wasn't straight. So they had to break it again, flip it upside down and then put it back in. So, um, and then they sew it shut. And then you have these two giant like foam splints that they shove up your nostrils. And so I was in bed for like a week and a half. But the worst part was like they, they knocked me out for the surgery and they had the, the intubation tube down my throat. And when they pulled it out, it cut the back of my throat. And so pa- swallowing was super painful. Oh, so man. I just didn't eat. And so like I had spent all this work, all this effort trying to get back into shape. And my first year of swimming went really well. I was really happy with how I did, especially coming back from like a two and a half year right. break. Um, but, you know, swallowing was super painful. So I just didn't eat and I lost 15 pounds. And it, so I had to once that was all figured out i had to go and get back in shape again it was just it was not fun the whole experience but my nose looks decent and i can i can breathe now which is nice you got a nice nose job Mm -hmm. i did get a nose (laughs) job (laughs) that's crazy man well that's well it's it's nice that they were able to give you that scholarship still Mm -hmm. because a lot of a lot of schools would just be like "Eh, yeah two years is a long time it was a long time and uh you know you just got to chalk it up to the blessings of serving a mission yeah because i don't i don't know what college of idaho's policy is on like returning students or like returning deferring students but i knew their policy was like you have a year like you can defer for a year but after that like they're probably not gonna accept you back but for some reason they did it for me which I wasn't complaining about. So. <laughs> hey man, it's all in, in the Lord's time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's cool. That's that's tough to to sacrifice something that you like, but I guess it's a good thing because you were starting to get burned out. Mm-hmm. I guess if you would have continued it, you would have just stopped completely. Yeah, I probably, I, like it's all speculation at this point. I don't know how right. it would have gone, and uh, but I'm happy with the way things turned out now. So cool, man. That's sweet. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I fortunately didn't have to sacrifice anything. I had a girlfriend, but that was, that was whatever. I mean, sometimes that can be a big <laughs> sacrifice. Eh, it was, it was at the time, but now looking back, it's like, I, I was, I was ridiculous, man. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty though. Yeah, for sure. Twenty twenty. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, this this decade went by so fast, man. Mm-hmm. What year did you graduate? I graduated in 2014. Oh man, you're pretty young. You're yeah. way younger than I am. I know the Oops. beard helps me. The, yeah, it makes me look older for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. With the beard, I think you were like 25, <laughs> 24 maybe. Well, that's good. That's good. I'll take it. <laughs> take it. What are you? 23. 23. Yeah. Dang, that's cool. Yeah, I graduated in 2011. And so oh, 2010, wow. I was a junior. I was like, sheesh, man. It's been almost 10 years since I've graduated. It's crazy. It goes by too fast. And so what what years did you serve? So I served October of 2014 to October of 2016. Okay. Yeah, so I, I got back home in November of 2014. Must have passed you in the airport or something. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> did you went to Provo then? I went to the Mexico MTC. Oh, oh, that's true. They mm-hmm. they would send the Spanish speakers over there. Mm-hmm. Yep. How Bought was the it. food there? Food there was great. All you can eat. 
Yep. Sweet. Lots of it. <laughs> it was, oh, man, it was super good. It was a little Americanized, though. Yeah, but, for sure. That's know, what I've heard. Still good. It was still good. That's what I've heard. They do it for the, the American missionaries. Yeah. Because then they wouldn't know how to use a tortilla as a, a silverware. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> I actually didn't get the hang of that until embarrassingly late on did, my mission. Did you learn those tricks, like like the tortilla, like cooling the tortilla? Yeah, to like you pass it from hand to hand yeah. to cool the tortilla, and then like when you roll it up, you just kind of yep. catch the lip on your finger and just whoosh. Yep. Yeah, that's things that they teach us as kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't learn until I was 19. That's okay. But yeah, it's it's always funny to see people that are like, because like, oh, this is too hot. I'm like, well, you just got to cool it down. And just like, they kind of like blow it's on it. <laughs> It's like, no, you got to pass it through your, yeah. your hands. But yeah, because cause here it's all silverware. It's all mm-hmm. knives and spoons and forks. But nope, there it's knives, spooks, for, spoons, forks, and tortillas. Tortillas. And fingers. Yep. Oh, yeah. My brother-in-law had, oh, I don't remember what he ate. I think it was pozole. Oh, I love pozole. But he, he's a messy, he doesn't know how to eat with tortillas and, and things like that. And so his hands were literally dripping with with the <laughs> juice and stuff. So I'm like, man, you are one of the messiest, messiest eaters I've ever seen. I mean, it's, in his defense, pozole was like the bane of all of my white shirts on my mission. Like, no matter how carefully I ate, it always ended up on my shirt. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I just, bad luck, I guess. I was pretty clean. I was, I, the thing is, I, I would always be self-conscious about it because of my mom. Mm-hmm. Because every time she ate, she would have food on like something on her shirt every time. And I'm like, you, you gotta watch that. <laughs> so I would always try to keep clean. But the, my last area, my companion went to drop the spoon in the sauce and he just dropped it. Oh, he didn't no. like place it down. He just, he like dropped it from a foot. And so it just splattered everywhere and I got my tie and stuff. Oh no. I was like, dude, if I wasn't a missionary, I'd probably punch you right now. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Hopefully it wasn't the nice tie. Probably. It probably was. Oh, man. I Man, I got so many ties, it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I left I left home with, like, seven ties, and I came back with, like, 60. They just, they multiply. Yeah. Like, I half of my ties, I don't remember how I got them. That's true. They just kind of appear. Did you have any, like, tie trades or anything? In the MTC, there was, like, this secret underground tie trade. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, we were supposed to be in our houses by like 9 30 and then we had like an hour to plan for the next well plan for the next day you already had your schedule all filled out right um but like do some extra studying if you wanted just get ready for bed yeah right yeah <laughs> well at 9 30 usually like once or twice a week one of the houses would hold like a, a tie swap mm-hmm. so you know after you you go home you plan and then you'd figure out which house the tie swap is at and then you'd go to that house and you just trade ties. It was secret combinations in the MTC. <laughs> like fight club, dude. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> no, we would have it for uh, like zone meetings. So if I, if I remember correctly, we would have a zone meeting once a transfer mm-hmm. and then we'd have district meeting the rest of the, of the, the weeks. So for zone meeting where everybody in the zone is together everybody would take their ties to trade. But really? then you didn't have the, the dumb missionaries who would, <laughs> that's, that's a mean term, but <laughs> the annoying missionaries that would take some ties and be like, Hey, I like that one. I'm like, Oh, these are just for show. I don't trade these. 
It's like, then why do you bring them, dude? <laughs> He's like, I just want to show them off. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Then just wear it. Yeah. I do remember I had an orange tie that I believe my mom sent me, but this elder loved orange ties. And he's like, dude, I'll give you whatever you want for this orange tie. And I got three ties out of it. Nice. <laughs> Good bargain. Yeah. But yeah, man, they multiply. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. But I have a lot of nice ties now. And I did I did give some away that I uh, got originally, that I left with originally. Nice. But I know it's, it's kind of a shame because like, you have this huge collection of ties and like you go to church once a Sunday and that's like all you wear your ties for. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start wearing ties when I go substitute just to, just to, just to wear them again. That's a good idea. That's a good, I can't do that. I work, I get super dirty. (laughs) I can't do that. That's a good idea though. That's because like wearing ties for elders is the only way you can express yourself really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your socks. (laughs) Your socks. (laughs) We weren't allowed to wear crazy socks. And I don't know, I don't know if it was my mission president or if it was somewhere else that I heard, but they didn't like the crazy ties where they're too big or too skinny. Yeah, that that's actually a big thing in my brother's mission. Like they they're trying to be more conservative with their ties, and so like I guess he can't wear floral ties. Oh, that's and okay. Like half of his ties are floral, so oh. we had to send him some new ones. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I think I think it's just kind of like it's common sense, right? Like you, super skinny ties and like the super fat ties. Like you're trying to look for pe- professional, and right, those usually that's true. don't look professional. That makes sense. There was one elder in my mission, Elder Philos. You know what that means? I think so. Philos. Philos. Uh, he had three black ties. That's it. No other ties. Nope. Just three. Just three <laughs> black ties, man. That's all he would have. <laughs> And so he'd be there, like, by himself at the tie trades. He's just like, oh, no, I'm okay. <laughs> like, man, that's some discipline, dude. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yep, just three black ties. And I wish I had that kind of self-control. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I liked my ties. It's, it's weird because, like, you, you develop this taste for, for a certain type. Like, mm-hmm. I really like the plaid, like the nice colored plaid ties and then... Some people like solid. Some people like shiny ones. Some people mm-hmm. like paisleys. I hated paisleys. Oh, I love paisleys. <laughs> I'm a, I, I am a big fan of the paisleys. There was one pais- one white paisley that I really liked, but I got re- I traded it. Mm-mm. It's like, yeah, I, I don't like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough to keep it. Nope. No, I love the paisleys, and uh, I do like floral ties, but like the, the wool knit ones with the square bottoms yeah i love those really i love those yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't like them they look funny (laughs) that's part of the appeal though yeah that makes sense yeah yeah there's some weird like they have like texture to them those square ones Mm -hmm. they're like a like a sock almost like all right whatever our our some of the missionaries in our mission they started doing weird knots like the Trinity knot and like the weird, I don't know what else they were yeah, doing. I, there were a couple of missionaries who would do that, but like I, I could never get the hang of that. I didn't, I didn't want to. I was like, this is like a trend. Like I don't want to follow this trend. <laughs> it's a fad. Yeah, exactly. It'll, It'll pass over. <laughs> It'll die out eventually. So what did you guys end up doing during P days? You said you played basketball a lot. Yeah, it just depended on the area. So basketball was kind of the the common theme. 
Um, I think that's everywhere. Pretty much, yeah. Um, in one of my areas, though, we tried to have like actual activities instead of just showing up to the church and playing basketball. Um, like we once had a a water balloon fight followed by a chalk fight. Oh, so like gosh. everyone was soaking wet, and so the chalk would actually like stick, stick. to you. Um, I hope you didn't use those like sticks, chalk. No, <laughs> just taking these huge things of chalk and just whacking people with it. No, no. What they did was, I think they they took the the sticks of chalk and like they ground it up into a fine powder okay. and then put it like in pantyhose. So you just had like these chalk bombs, oh, and gosh. they they still kind of hurt when you have someone thrown at yeah, you. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, they should have put a little bit of water in a water balloon and then the chalk powder in it. Oh, that's genius. That would have been messy. <laughs> Very messy. Very messy. <laughs> We had an area where we would plan out what we were going to do for P-Day. Mm-hmm. So we'd have the district meeting and we're like, okay, announcements. Okay. You know, this person's getting baptized, you know, this thing. Okay. All right. Now, what are we going to do for next week for P-Day? <laughs> <laughs> that's seriously how it went, man. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it was towards at the beginning of my mission. Um, since the areas are so small, like all the zones, they would meet in the same, or yeah, everyone in the zone would meet in the same building for district meetings, like district meetings and zone meetings. But like we'd meet together as a zone first and then split off into districts and have our district meetings and then go home. And so that's when we started planning out these, these big elaborate activities and things like that. Um, but eventually the, the rule was passed that, you know, you're there for district meeting, you should meet just with your district. But yeah, I did. I did kind of miss those those big big zone activities. But yeah, for the most part, it was just basketball. Uh, did play a lot of volleyball. Um, in one of my areas, it was like the most northern part of the mission. It's in a city called Whittier, and there's some foothills with some hiking trails. So we went and hiked up there once or twice. Um, and if you're in the Long Beach area, there's a really nice aquarium, and then there's a uh like a retired cruise ship what's it called i think it's the queen mary but like it's a retired cruise ship they turned it into like a museum hotel type thing you can go walk around that's not that haunted one is it i think it is oh is it i think so i I never went but i knew some other missionaries that did but yeah if it's haunted then i'm glad i didn't go (laughs) not not a fan you're not Not into that stuff nope not for me. I I like that stuff. My wife hates it. She thinks that anything scary is is bad. <clears throat> but I I don't know. I I like the thrill. But I teach his own. You you yeah. have fun in your haunted cruise ships. Yeah, now. that's fine. That's funny. But isn't that technically off the off the mission grid? I mean, you don't have to touch sand to get there, so. <laughs> Oh, loopholes. Loopholes. <clears throat> we always like to see those in the in the white handbook. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the loopholes. We used to highlight something. I don't remember what it was. Was it the attractive women's shoes? Maybe. Because I know every time I read that, I just, for some reason, it was just hilarious. Like, women's shoes must be... I can't remember the rest oh. of the, the stipulations, but it, it says that women's shoes must be attractive. Yeah. No, we didn't highlight that, <laughs> but I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do remember that they have to be like they can't be high heels or something and they, have, I, I they can't so, be yeah, yeah. And like dang sister <laughs> yeah. those are some attractive shoes 
I remember that. So did you guys have the rule of reading that every morning? Mm-hmm. We would read three pages every morning. I don't know if you guys had that same rule. I, I don't think it was a rule. Like there wasn't a certain amount that we had to read. But I think we would usually read like two or three pages. It was so annoying, Just, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like once it once you're out for two or three months, you know all the rules. Like yeah. But I guess it's good to to review. I guess it's important. But yeah. they changed it, man. They got rid of it. That's what I heard. Yeah, my brother was telling me about that. And there's, I guess there's a lot more loopholes in there now. <laughs> oh no. So he's been telling me about some of those. And the funny thing, like he's a he's his own leader, and he's telling me about all these loopholes. I'm like, dude. Come on. You're going to be a great Come AP. On, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you should have said. <laughs> oh, but it's true. Man. No, our zone leaders are pretty cool. Did, did you, What vehicles do you guys have? Because our zone leaders had like the really nice cars. Um, <clears throat> No, they just had the same kind of cars as the rest of the mission. Oh, really? um, so like for, in general, we had Chevy Cruises, mm-hmm. the Toyota Corollas. Uh, there were a couple of Chevy, Chevy Malibus. Yeah, but those, no one, those no ones one, suck. Yeah, no one wanted those. Like, those don't turn very well, man. Not at all. They're a boat. Yep, the Malaboat. Um, how how many missionaries were in your mission at that time? Because from the sound of it, they weren't. It wasn't that big. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. It it fluctuated quite a bit. Um, I think it was anywhere between. Like 140 and 200. Okay. So there was... That's pretty good. A decent amount, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas we had... I think when I started, we were at 150-ish, 160. And then the first wave of 18-year-olds came, and we went up to like 250. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there were sisters training each other because they, they didn't have anybody else. <laughs> so you had, had two brand new sisters. Nice. Figuring it out. Just flying by the seat <laughs> of your pants. Yeah, well, I was in that area where I was in the middle of nowhere that I got to train. Mm-hmm. So I trained that, that transfer, and then they put sisters in there because we needed help in Spanish. And then that sister that was training was out for three months. And so she was training this brand-new sister. And I was training at the same time. I was like, I have literally three new <laughs> missionaries. <laughs> you have three kids. And yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So they would just call all the time. Hey, you know, we have a question about this. Hey, what about this person? Hey, because they took half of our area because we just couldn't do it. Couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would always call us. It's just like, oh, man, it's kind of stressful. But it was good. It was good. We, we built a good bond. Well, that's good. Um, but, yeah, it's good that, that you serve in the city because then you're not, like, alone with one person for extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. It, it was super handy. For the most part, I got along really well with all of my companions. Like, I got really lucky. But, of course, you're going to have one or two that, like, your, your personalities clash. And one of them in particular, we were just polar opposites. Um, and the fact that he was, like, straight from Mexico didn't help. So his English was <laughs> awful. And so and my Spanish wasn't great either. I was going to say, he probably thought the same about yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so, like, there was the language barrier there. Because, like, my Spanish wasn't great. His English was not good. Um, one of the hardest working missionaries I have ever met. But just super intense. Like, he has no filter. Whatever comes to his mind comes out of his mouth. And we lost 
a fair amount of investigators because of that. And, uh, I mean, like what, (laughs) what did he say? (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to think of specific examples. Um, I know he would tell some people when we first met them, like we'd bring a baptism and they'd be like, Oh, I already, like I'm already baptized. And normally you'd be like, like you'd explain to them the priest did. Right. And instead my companion would just go, Nope, doesn't count. You got to do it again. <laughs> like, sorry, this thing that you've dedicated your life towards so far, worthless, right? worthless. I um, mean, yes and no. Like that's, that's rough. That's a rough way to explain. Things. Yeah. But that's, that's how it came out. It came out. Um, but yeah, but because, you know, the areas are so small, um, if I needed some time with like, not alone for my companion, but like just with other people, like I could easily call another set of missionaries and be like, Hey, let's go have lunch and, you know, just kind of dilute. Yeah. It relieves the stress, man. It really does. Yeah. It's crazy. It helped a lot. It's nice to, it's definitely nice to have, because I, I had, I don't think I, I never got along with my companions. I think I always got along with my companions, but being, being with them for so long, it's like, uh, you, you just get sick of being with someone 24 seven mm-hmm. and it's nothing against them. Um, it's just that, that amount of time being together is just, you need some, some time apart. Mm-hmm. So I don't think any companionship should be together for more than three transfers. <laughs> I was with one missionary for a total of five transfers. At like one go? Not in one go. Okay. Thank goodness. So we were, <laughs> I might have had some major issues if it had been in one go. Yeah. Um, no, so it was uh, my secondary. He was my companion there. We were together for two transfers. And then towards the end of my mission, we were in a trio for three transfers. And so, like, I was with him for a total of five. But for three of those transfers, it was, you know, there was a a third party there. But even Mm -hmm. still, I love him to death. But that long with somebody, it does wear on you a little bit. Yes, it does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's rough, man, because I, like I said, I really enjoyed being with, with, I want to say with all of my companions, I can't think of anybody who I would have been like, ugh, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, just that amount of time together. That's something that people don't really see, um, behind the scenes, especially with like the families that you're teaching or the members. I mean, sometimes they can feel it if there's a lot of tension, Yeah, but mm-hmm. you don't really see what's going on and you don't really see how it's affecting you mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that people need to prepare for. Yeah. Like if they're going to, if they're thinking about serving a mission, like that's not something to be scared of, but absolutely not. No, but it's something to prepare yourself for, um, to say, you know, I'm going to live literally 24 seven with this person, with this mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. And that, yeah, like different cultures, different, uh, personalities that just, just clashes and it happens to everyone, man. Even with your best friends. Yeah. <laughs> Even with your best friends. Yeah. Yeah, I've had arguments with my best friends. It's like, come on, dude. You know what? I'm going to go walk over here. I'm going to go hang out with this guy for a sec. <laughs> we'll talk tomorrow. But you can't do that. You can't do that with your companion, no. <clears throat> like, what's 
what's the best way to, to I guess, to, to handle that? If you're really confronting one of your companions, like how do you, how do you handle it? Um, the thing that I learned from my first companion was like, you, you'd have your, oh shoot, what do they call them? Companionship inventory. That's the one companionship <laughs> inventories. Um, and something that my trainer told me was like, I don't care how small it is. If you have an issue, bring it up. Yeah. Um, cause it always starts with like those, those small little things like, oh, he didn't make his bed this morning. That's going to bug me. Yeah. But then it true. like, it. Like, okay, like I, I don't make my bed. And so <laughs> that was just the first thing that came to mind. I don't judge people who don't make their bed. Um, but it's, it starts with those little things like that. And eventually it'll just grow and grow until like you just don't like the person themselves. So it starts when you just be as open and honest as possible. Just be like, hey, you're doing this thing. It does kind of bug me. And sometimes just by telling them that might fix the issue. Like, cause sometimes they do things that they don't even realize. And, uh, but if it does get to the point where, um, like you guys are having serious issues, something that I did was we had a companionship inventory, but we brought in another companionship just like as a third party observer. <clears throat> So like we'd be going back and forth like, well, you're doing this. And he'd be like, well, you're doing this. And it was kind of nice to kind of have like a third party there just to kind of mediate and uh, like step in if needed. And that's interesting. <laughs> I've never heard of that. It, yeah, I only had to do it once, but it it really did help. Interesting. Do, do you feel like you would like you would hold back, though, with uh, with people being there? Um, it depends on the people. Okay. But like the, the companionship that we, we brought in, like I had been companions with one of them before and, um, you know, my current companion just loved and respected the other one that was there, like my old companion's companion. And so like, just as long as you know them well and like you respect their opinion, then it helps. But like, if you grab some random person off the street and like, Hey, come right. mediate this thing between us. Then probably not going to work out so well. That makes sense. How long do those meetings take for you guys? Like the whole, not just the companionship inventory part, but the whole, the I think, whole, I think it was Thursday that we did it. That's when we did it. Yeah. It was, that's like forever. Dude. Weekly planning. <laughs> yeah. That's yep, what it was. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. Um, I, let's see, on Thursdays, so like we'd have district meeting in the morning at 10. And then those would last for, I think, two hours. And then we'd have lunch. And we would usually plan like a good two, three hours for weekly planning. Just this fat stretch of time. And then usually by that time, like it'd be, it'd be four like o'clock when we finished. Dinner time, dude. Basically, yeah. yeah. And so if we ever got to that point, like if we ever like needed to fill some time and this is going to sound bad, but like it didn't feel worth it to go out. I, yeah. We would, we would do language study. Oh, I thought you were going to say hour. we'd take a nap. <laughs> Sometimes that was language study. You know, you try and dream in your mission language, but yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I think I was, I think I was talking to, to my sister-in-law. I think it was her, but she was saying that they're, weekly planning would literally take all day like like hours and hours 
like all day Thursday was was blocked out for their planning. Yeah, it's like that that's so long. That's that's too much time. Because they, they, she was saying that they would pray for each individual investigator and each individual person, but it's like, man, man, that's... I wish it was, I was in that mission where it, like it takes all day to pray for each investigator. <laughs> for us, that might have taken like a good thirty seconds. Not that many. Well. I, again, it just depends on the area. Well, there's a lot of less actives. A lot of less actives, and yeah. it's just as important, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. The biggest problem, though, the biggest like missionary work problem in Southern California, though, is just no one is ever home. So like, we'd, right. find, we'd find a golden investigator and then just never see them again just because like, it's super expensive. Like The cost of living there is so high. So oh, they're all, just move? They either they either move or they they're working like three jobs and like uh, we might have caught them on their one day off for the year, and so it was just it was frustrating. See, so that's something that I I didn't necessarily implement, but I think I did it once. But you write down what time you visit this person, especially if you're like in a in a congested area like that. Mm-hmm. Write down what time you saw them, and and this is for for whoever's going to serve a mission. Let's write down when you visited them and then write down the times and days that you visited them and they weren't home and you can kind of see their schedule. It's kind of stalking, but a little I bit. Mean, yeah. that's what you got to do as a missionary, dude. <laughs> whatever, he, whatever brings in the lessons mm-hmm. and brings in the teaching. It's, it's for their own good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> how did you feel about, preach my gospel and all that stuff. I think they change they're kind of changing that too now. I think so. I love preach my gospel. It was very handy. D- did you ever see what how they used to teach before preach my gospel? Um I've only heard people describe it. Like the the flip books yeah. and things like that. Um No, I I would definitely prefer preach my gospel over that. I think everybody would. Yeah. Except for the people who only served that yeah <laughs> i think they would be like nah no, no. I, th- I think i think they'd prefer preach my gospel because i can't count the number of times where we'd go into a lesson planning on teaching this one yeah. thing and then like two seconds into the lesson you realize no they're having an issue here that's not what they need that's not what they need just i love the flexibility that came with it yep yeah because you you're supposed to teach the restoration and then the plan of salvation but then there's times when they come in and like, I just lost someone like this lady. She, we went to go see her, her son and she was closing her gates of her house. And we're like, Oh, like we were just seeing, you know, this and that. And she's like, well, come on in and we'll talk about something or whatever. And she's like, well, and then she got, she was like, started to cry. She's like, I lost my other son. She's like, I, he just passed away a few, a few weeks ago. And we're like, Holy smokes. Dang. This is really sad, but it's it's a good opportunity to teach that that it's okay, mm-hmm. because a lot of families who don't understand that there's more to this life, they're devastated, dude. Like it's it's the it's literally the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it is nice to to be able to not have to teach in order. Yeah, but I don't know. Um. Well. It's almost an hour, dude. <laughs> Passed by quick. Yeah, it always does. It always does. I, I've done this. Is the, it'll be the twenty-second episode, and it goes by like that every time. That flies, man. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Um, you got any questions? You got anything 
Well, here's here's something I always like to ask uh, my guests to, to to say something to to the audience that you feel inspired to say about your mission to anyone. About my mission, um, or just about missionary work in general. The the most important thing that I learned on my mission um, was actually I learned this in the MTC. Um, I learned it like in regards to language, but it really just applies everywhere. But so I, I went to my, my district president in the MTC and I'm like, I'm frustrated. Like I'm, I'm not learning Spanish as fast as I thought I would, as fast as other people in my district. And uh, like, I just, I don't know what to do. And he, well, at first he, he asked me like, are you like, have you ever seen a college kid in diapers? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, well, when like I was raising my kids, I thought that they would never become potty trained. And um, like someone asked him that, and he's like, it, it just takes time. Like, but by the end, you will have seen the results, and like the the journey's worth it. So he, the thing that he said to me that impacted me the most was, "Be happy with where you are, but never satisfied." And so, like that's kind of become my my life motto, you could say. Um, like instead of being frustrated with the fact that you may not be where you want to be, just look back, look at the progress that you have made, but like, don't, don't get complacent. You can still be better. Like you can still do better. And yeah, that's probably my, my two cents. That that's I awesome, man. That's sweet. I will have to write that down. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Thanks. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And thanks, everybody, for listening in.